Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, Larry and John Gassman here once again for Main Menu. Main Menu is 20 years old, and uh, the individual who brought Main Menu to ACB Radio is Jonathan Mosen, and we are happy to have Jonathan with us to talk about how all of that began, and uh, Jonathan, welcome to, to Main Menu. Well, it's nice to be back. Now, tell us, you, know, you had been doing radio for pretty much most of your life, uh, well before Main Menu. How did some of that begin? Yeah, I've been doing radio since I was about four years old, actually, because I used to call in to this talk radio show when I was really little. And then one day my parents got a telegram when we had telegrams uh, and the radio station said, would it be okay if Jonathan came in and did a show for kids over Christmas time doing kind of a call-in show thing where kids would phone in and we'd all talk about what Santa was going to bring them for Christmas and it was all very cheesy. But that's how I got into radio, so it won't be too long before I'll be celebrating 50 years on the radio in some form or another. And it was basically a combination of commercial radio and internet radio later on. Yeah, I worked full-time in commercial radio because – It was what I always wanted to do, was work on the radio. And so I set up a radio station that was fully commercially funded at the School for the Blind, along with a lot of other blind kids who I sort of dragged along into the project. And that allowed me to build my networks with radio people in the industry. I got them to come out. I wrote them all letters and I said, come and have a look at blind people doing radio. And it was a really cool way for me to meet people who had influence and get to shake their hands in the days when it was all right to shake people's hands and talk to them about what I wanted to do. And so it meant that when I was ready to actually explore a full-time career in commercial radio, I had all those contacts and I was able to essentially walk into a radio station and get a job. And later on, when you began doing an internet radio, it was quite a bit different than us sitting in front of a computer in a Zoom room with a mixing board and a couple of nice microphones. It it was before technology really has become what it is today. Talk a little bit about how that was in those early days, how you kind of basically did things on a shoestring, I would imagine. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't so much that we couldn't have connected, say, a mixer or something to a sound card. We certainly had the capability. I just wasn't really into that at the time because radio on the internet in those days was not my full-time gig. I was working in the government relations field, and I kind of thought internet radio was a chance for me to get my hand back in because once radio gets in your blood, it's really hard to get rid of it. So I used to do a lot of internet radio with a PC. It was probably a – it was. It was a Pentium, actually, mm. uh, with 15 gigs of disk space, which was massive at the time. And I used to use a microphone headset and tools like Winamp and the Shoutcast plugin, and uh, maybe even a couple of instances of Winamp if I was getting really adventurous, and a, a dial-up modem. And – I would just get into it and start these radio shows, sometimes with a little bit of help from geeks who were providing me with server facilities. And I was doing that before I founded ACB Radio, actually. I was running my own internet radio station called MBS FM. So I've been doing 
internet radio for around about 22 years now. And how did your association with ACB Radio begin? Well, I actually got an email from Chris Gray, I think sometime in the middle of 1999, and he said that the ACB board was considering doing an internet radio station, and he'd heard me doing Blindline and other things by then, which I was doing on MBS FM. And he said, would you be interested in being a consultant to ACB to show us how to do it? And I said, I'd be delighted. What a great idea. And then Paul Edwards, the then president of ACB, was actually staying with me. And he was out as our international guest speaker because I was chairing the consumer organization in New Zealand, pretty much like the ACB equivalent. So he was our big special international guest and he was staying with me. And for various reasons, because I was involved in the blindness agency and a consumer leader at the same time and things were getting a bit turbulent, I quit my job. And when I came home to my then wife and said, hi, honey, guess what? I just quit my job. And Paul said, you know, I knew this was on the cards. I didn't want to influence your decision. But now that you've made it, why don't you come and run ACB radio for us? So that was in the middle of October. And by the 1st of December, 1999, we had ACB radio on the air. And did you basically plan everything that, that came to be on there? Or did, did ACB have a, an idea uh, ahead of time as to what they were looking for? I worked with the Board of Publications on that, and we talked about what ACB Radio would initially look like, and and it was a very soft launch. It was quite a randomized schedule at the time. We had a bit of old-time radio in the mix. We had the Braille Forum, so narrated articles from the Braille Forum. There was also ACB Reports. We would use material from that, and there were a whole bunch of people involved as well producing material. The Snowman was there from very early on. Jim Snowbarger, he was there. And I was doing blind line and things, but it was kind of thrown together with a mind to fleshing out the schedule and making it more professional as time went on. And that's, of course, what happened. And, of course, you did write a book about your experiences uh, with ACB Radio, and we'll, we'll mention that a little later on. But I read with interest that you almost went with NFB, the other organization, it would, you know, until things evolved with ACB Radio. It would have been quite an interesting switch in in life, I guess, if if the radio station had begun there rather than ACB. You kind of wonder what, what might have been 20 years later if they had, had actually started the radio station instead. I think it's a great credit to ACB that they saw the potential of this technology and Really, ACB Radio gave ACB a profile that in certain circles it didn't have. And, of course, you had people like Charlie Crawford involved. He was the executive director of ACB at the time. And he had done some pretty cool things with technology. I remember spending far too much money calling the bulletin board that he had set up when he was the executive director of the Massachusetts Commission. And I'd dial it over my dial-up modem from New Zealand, which was not cheap. So there were a bunch of people, and of course, Chris Gray as well, um, Brian Charlson. So you had a number of people who were really on the cutting edge of technology, pushing the envelope. And so they really embraced the idea of internet radio when it was still pretty delicate and seat-of-the-pants stuff. So... Uh, it was, a, it was a, a great pleasure to work with those thinkers, those thought leaders at that particular time. 
Now, how far after the beginning of ACB Radio did Main Menu come along? So ACB Radio started on the 1st of December, 1999, and Main Menu started on the 10th of April, 2000, and it was the coinciding of a range of factors. One of them was the fact that Blindline, which is the talk show that I brought over from ACB Radio, which I started, and it was the first global call-in show for blind people. And it kind of brought us together in a really cool way. But what I was concerned about as someone who was not only a technology geek, but also a policy geek and an advocacy geek and a, a politics geek, is that Blindline was becoming quite dominated by technology. And I wanted to make sure that we covered all the other things in life besides tech. So I made a decision. We would start a new radio show just for technology and we would hand it over to the grassroots. So I'd produce quite a lot of material, but the aim was to produce two hours every week of material that blind people themselves put together, talking about not just assistive technology, but any technology from a blindness perspective. And the other thing that happened at the same time on the 10th of April 2000 was that having dipped our toe in the water of the internet radio thing, ACB Radio became a lot more ambitious. And that was the day that we switched from just having one stream, which was called ACB Radio, into three streams, Mainstream, The Cafe, and Treasure Trove. And then I started ACB Radio Interactive in September of that year, so a little bit later. So it was a really big change. And Main Menu was the very first show on ACB Radio Mainstream. Is there a story behind the title of the show, Main Menu? Only that when I was thinking, what will I call this thing? It's a technology show. What will I call it? A lot of technology at the time had something called a main menu. You know, we, we were dealing with a lot of menu-driven interfaces. I was using a Braille note at the time, and, you know, it had a main menu, and all sorts of other technology had a main menu. And so also because we were calling it ACB Radio Mainstream, that main menu would air on, it all sort of fit into place. And you had a, a pretty good listenership from Blind Light. I'm assuming that they followed you over. Oh, yeah. I mean, the numbers for Main Menu were phenomenal, especially since this predated podcasting. So this really was a vehicle where blind people at the grassroots level could actually tell other blind people about technology that they discovered and things like that. And I guess it had been done on cassette-based magazines. So you did have quite a few blind people who had experience with those sorts of vehicles of disseminating information to one another. And then the trick was for me, where necessary, to help them to digitize that and uh, maybe do some recording in SoundForge or whatever they wanted to use and upload it to me. And of course, a lot of people still had dial-up modems in 2000. So the process of actually sending those files was slow and laborious, but we got there because there was just so much enthusiasm for it. You had people actually sending you material, some of which you aired uh, right at the beginning of the program. Did, did they have any lead time or did they just send you stuff back before when you were doing Blind Line as well? We didn't seek 
contributions on blind line of that nature. So I started to tell people that on the 10th of April, we were going to run this show and I was interested in contributions and let me have them. And we immediately had a small group of very keen contributors, which broadened over time because once main menu started to get more listeners, people kind of thought, yeah, I could, I could do this. There's something that I'd like to tell people about and it kind of developed a momentum. But I am very grateful to some of those early contributors, uh, people like um, Matthew Campbell, Matt Campbell, who uh, did a whole series on Linux. DJC, Don Coco, who died some years ago, was a regular contributor as well from the very beginning. And he would tell us about uh, news and views you can use <laughs> uh, and did a range of tech, a lot of game demos and different little utilities that he would demonstrate. And uh, John Oliveira did some stuff quite early on in the piece. We had a whole bunch of people. I'm sure I'm leaving some some really important names out, but um, no, people did contribute and it was it was good stuff. I think Jim Snowbarger did one on scripting. Yes, he did. And so we were always very careful to try and be fair when it came to the screen reader stuff. So once Jim started doing his Jaws scripting series, which was very good, we had Carlos Taylor who did an equivalent series on set files and window eyes. Did people have an opinion as to what they liked better, whether it be the interviews or the product demos? Both, because one of the things that we were pretty adventurous about was we did investigative journalism as well. We were very fortunate that Main Menu came along at the same time that Freedom Scientific was formed, the amalgamation of Arkenstone, Blazy, and Henter Joyce. And there was a bit of nervousness about what this meant. And then what you often get with merger situations like that is that uh, sometimes those marriages are not always the happiest. And we were getting leaks. We were considered a trusted, important media source in the blind community. And there were people in that company in the early days of Freedom Scientific that were leaking like a sieve. And I'm very proud of the fact that I have always protected those sources. And people came to me with all sorts of information about product derailment, about choices that were being made that in their opinions were not good for blind people, about employment practices that they considered were not good for blind people. We would always be very careful about trying to check everything with a second source to make sure that we weren't spreading erroneous information. And then we would go to go ahead and we would produce these investigative pieces on what was happening at Freedom Scientific and what it might mean for blind people. I remember we also did a piece on the Unified English Braille Code and some of the controversy surrounding that with respect to Nemeth as well. So we do the investigative pieces as well. And they were very popular. And I think that's one of the things I really lament is that these days there's not a lot of good quality investigative journalism in our community. One of the shows you did was very memorable because not only was it three hours, but it also was a comparison of the screen readers that were available at that time. Yeah, it took us a while um, to get the credibility to do that. And we were very careful, but it was actually specifically a Jaws versus Window Eyes comparison. And we felt that we had the confidence to take that on. And we looked at certain key applications like how they both worked, comparing them side by side in Microsoft Word, for example, and various things like that. So 
we 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 were not afraid to tackle the difficult issues. But later, when I became a part of the industry, I learned from people how when a new product was going to be reviewed, that they would sort of sit on the edge of their seats because we had a reputation for fairness in those reviews. And one of the things that was really cool as Main Menu got established was people would send me stuff on the understanding that um, they would get a review from me uh, that was, you know, hopefully objective. Uh, just because they sent stuff to me, it didn't mean that um, I would in any way give them a, a, a lesser scrutiny. And I, after the review, I'd always send it back. But that's how I was able to review the newer Braille notes and Braille and uh, Braille lights and technology like that because the manufacturers would end up sending it. We'd do a demo and we'd point out the bugs as well. Take us, if you can, through a typical week or preparation for the show. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how often we were so close to deadline. In other words, to showtime when the show was just finishing and sort of uploading just a few minutes before it aired because producing two hours of that kind of quality every single week without fail was quite immense. And we never used material from uh, directly from a developer so we always said, we're not going to be your propaganda arm. We will happily do our own demonstrations and our own reviews so that we can say where things are falling short as well as where they really call. And so it was a case, I was on a lot of email lists, some of which I actually ran myself. I set up a list called Blind Tech uh, somewhere in the piece there. And um, that may well still be going now where people would kind of check in and talk about new technology. And sometimes I think, well, this is a really good main menu idea. I would get a lot of people writing to me saying, I've got this idea for a main menu show. So quite a bit of my time was spent doing some handholding initially, explaining what was involved in producing this material. And sometimes when I got it, I would have to do a bit of work on the material, perhaps edit it for brevity or clarity, maybe apply a bit of noise reduction on rare occasions, actually having to say, look, I'd like to use this, but it's just not quite there yet in terms of quality. Here's what I suggest you do. And also we did have a section in main menu called news briefs, where at the beginning of the show, I would go through maybe 10 to 15 minutes, depending on how much news there was, of just a quick summary of the mainstream technology news of the week and where applicable just adding a blindness angle to some of those news stories. So it was a really full-on thing putting it together. Did you work pretty much week to week or did you have things planned out well in advance? Sometimes I had that luxury and sometimes we would agree with a contributor that there would be a series. So I remember, for example, that John Oliveira, I think it was Quicken, he did quite a lengthy series on. We had uh, Jim's Jaws script thing, which went for quite some weeks, so, and also with Carlos and his window eyes. Matt Campbell's look at Linux was a very long running series. So sometimes we did have those features. And that was always a great relief to me because I could always kind of tick off a certain number of minutes in every show for the next few weeks, knowing that that material would always be there. And that was always a relief. Did producing a two hour show on a weekly basis for I guess, what, three years? Did, did it ever become a grind for you? No, not really, because I 
was just amazed by the response we were getting. And it got to the point where I was approached by audio information services and they said, we've heard about this main menu thing and there are some people interested in technology who don't know how to listen to ACB radio, perhaps because they've still got DOS computers, which was a thing then. And I ended up producing high bitrate versions of main menu, which I would upload to a special FTP site, which I would give to audio information services. And they would download copies of each week's main menu show and broadcast it on the audio information services. So not only did we have this growing audience on ACB radio itself, but we were being heard all over the place. And also there was a voice print in Canada, which was carrying it as well. So, I mean, it was a phenomenon and no, it was never a burden or anything. I just felt it was a heck of a privilege to do it. Can you think uh, off the top of your head of any, any of the, the major highlights or people that you had a chance to interview over the three years? I, one of the things that really sticks in my mind was the interview that I did with Dick Chandler, who was the first president of Freedom Scientific, and he spilled the beans. So, so we were supposed to be talking about the Braille Light Millennium, which was the, the latest and greatest from Freedom Scientific, and that hyped that a bit and said, you know, this is kind of the, the first example of um, better things to come. And, of course, people were saying, well, if you've got Jaws and Blazy under one roof, and for that matter, Arkenstone, why can't we have a portable computer that behaves more like JAWS, but that it's on a kind of a more mobile portable platform. And uh, Dick Chandler made the mistake of saying, oh, yeah, we're actually working on that. So I actually teased out of him the fact that the Pac-Mate was on the drawing board before the Braillite <laughs> Millennium had even been released. And I know there were people at Freedom who were really grumpy about that. But, you know, that's the art of a good interview is that you get somebody relaxed and they say things that perhaps they didn't intend to say. I remember Lee Hamilton also, who I interviewed a bit later in response to some of the complaints from blind people who were working for the company. Uh, he's was normally very guarded and uh, he sort of let down his guard as well. So I think as well as um, just, just seeing the technology evolve, you know, New releases of Kurzweil 1000, new releases of OpenBook, the Parrot Personal Organizer, which was a pretty cool technology for its time, and all these different things that we showed people. But I also i am just proud of the fact that we were never frightened to go in and really ask hard questions. Um, that's something that's harder to find now because a lot of technology companies have their own media where they control the message. And of course, I've personally been responsible for a fair chunk of that past main menu. And, and obviously, uh, technology companies are a lot more comfortable with that because, you know, um, that they have control over the product that goes out with main menu. That was not the case. You've been away from main menu now for a, a very long amount of time and you've been within the industry for many years. Is there anything that you wish or you, you could have done especially in today's vernacular, that you didn't do back then? No, no, not really. I think Main Menu was the perfect fit for the times. 
In 2004, podcasting started to come along. And what you also had was a plethora of tools that made it easier to produce content and distribute it. So there's a number of factors. Um, Technology that allows you to make a really good quality recording and then broadband modems, of course, makes it easier to distribute it. And then you have podcast platforms that mean that it's not too difficult to publish your own podcast. And that inevitably leads to fragmentation and to people being their own publisher or sort of carving out their own niche. So it was a kind of a golden age in the sense that at that time, there was one place where all this content was being aggregated because the problem back in 2000, 2001, 2002 was distribution. You know, even if you produce this wonderful recording, how did you get it out there to a mass audience? And Main Menu just happened to come along at just the right time when a lot of people were starting to get into digital audio in the blind community, but the distribution platforms hadn't been created yet. You were almost the only game in town for those three years. Yeah. There were no other podcasts, none to speak of, that I can remember. Now you can throw a rock and hit a podcast. Today, would that make your job any more difficult or maybe easier than it would have been uh, early on? I mean, it's it's really hard for me to know. I, I look at, for example, the Mosin at Large podcast that I do every week, and it gets thousands, thousands of listeners every week, which just blows my mind given how much choice there is out there. Um, but I'm not sure whether that's because of what I'm doing or just because I've been around so long, you, you, you kind of, you've built up a, f- a friendship with the audience over the years. So it's, it's really hard to know. I still think that people will flock to good quality material and what they particularly flock to, I mean, as, as well as well-produced material that doesn't waste the audience time this is one of the, the things that I would advise technology podcasters not to do. You, you see a lot of podcasters who do not bother to edit their material and are, are sloppy. Most listeners who are busy people are not interested in hearing you discover how to use whatever it is you're trying to demonstrate. If you don't know something, for goodness sake, pause the recording or edit the recording after the fact Till you've figured it out so that what you're doing is respecting the audience's time and giving them information that's meaningful. They're not suffering through you fumbling and bumbling your way through it. And I, I think Main Menu was really good quality. You know, it respected people's time with all those user demos. And we were pretty uh, aggressive about the editing of all the listener contributions that we received. So I like to think that, you know, there is still a market for that, you know, maybe one place you can go. I guess an example that I would give um, was when uh, Larry Scootcon was running Blind Cool Tech, and he started that. He was kind of loose as a goose for a while. You'd you'd hear mm-hmm. him w- walking to work and musing about stuff, um, but it was always entertaining. But eventually, what he got was a crowd of enthusiastic people on that podcast feed demonstrating all sorts of technology and people flocked to that as well. So I, I think there is still an argument that says you can do something like this in the podcast era. Did you ever dream that Main Menu would go into its 20th anniversary? 
No, no, I didn't. I, you know, it's it's nice to think that um, you know something you you started has been able to carry on um, a, a long time afterwards, and that's really nice. You know, it it, it feels good that that has happened. And people are going to ask why you left main menu. So I guess I mean, th- there's there's a lot of detail on that in my book, which is free. So if anyone wants to have a look at that. Uh, it's on the Mosin.org website, and it's called On Air Online. But I think it's fair to say at the time there were there were some lively debates within ACB about demarcation issues between the Board of Publications and and the presidency. And uh, being a political person, I have and had strong views on that subject. Um, but um, it was it was a great time, and I look at all that infrastructure and the general kind of. Um, operating model of ACB radio, and it's it's still in place. You know, there've been some expansions and things, but it has stood the test of time, and I'm really proud of that. I'm also proud of the fact that we created a vehicle which has given a lot of blind people a lot of pleasure from both sides of the mic. So people thought to themselves, I'd like to have a go at this. I'd like to do that, and they have. And then, of course, there are people from all around the world who have listened and benefited from it. And it feels incredibly nice to have made that kind of contribution to just making the world a better place in that way. I think especially in the most recent month and a half with the coronavirus, I think a lot of people in the blind community have come to depend on the entertainment and the discussion uh, from ACB radio because it's it's like inviting a friend into the home when when normally you couldn't come in yes and I've I found that in the internet radio work that I continue to do myself actually and I am now doing two live shows every weekday because when this COVID-19 situation started to really accelerate I got some lovely emails from people who said, you've just, you know, your familiar voice, we've been listening to you suffering through your stuff for over 20 years. And it just feels good to have that familiar voice. And and so that's a contribution you feel you can make because it's so easy at a time like this to feel helpless, like this is too big. It, it's out of our control. And yet I felt a lot of... Um, a lot of pleasure in being able to provide that programming myself and just connect people. So it's a wonderful thing. And I think it's unique in the blind community in the sense that so many of us grew up with radio. We have a personal relationship with radio, at least many of us do, that is a little bit more personal and meaningful than a lot of people do with the radio. Not to say it's exclusive, but a lot of blind people really feel that the radio is special to them. And so, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, that um, if someone had told, say, my 10-year-old self, my 10-year-old self who was absolutely besotted with the radio, mad about it, dreamed of working in it, that one day I would have a house in which there was a studio with all this wonderful high-end mixing equipment and expensive microphones, and that from that studio, I could broadcast 
to a worldwide audience. I could sort of get out of bed in the middle of the night and walk to my studio and broadcast to the world. I would have thought, man, that is cool. You know, I can't wait to grow up and do that. And so sometimes it's really nice, especially at a time like this when we feel like times are tough, to take a step back, um, take a helicopter view and say, man, you know, it really is pretty nice what, 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 what we've been able to achieve. Absolutely. And Jonathan, we should definitely mention that if listeners would like to hear or read more about the founding of ACB Radio, you wrote a book several years ago, and it's entitled On Air Online, The Founding of ACB Radio. Also available as a free download from Mosin.org is In the Arena, a nine-part story of Jonathan Mosin's life. Questions asked by Glenn Gordon, questions answered by Jonathan Mosin. And, you know, if you've got a bit of insomnia in the uh, COVID-19 era, it <laughs> might do the job. Well, you know, people are waking was, up. Is that your fault or Glenn's? <laughs> I, don't, I tell you what, I feel like I'd done, you know, 15 rounds with Mike Tyson by the time Glenn had finished with me. Boy, I tell you, he is intense, isn't he? Well, but he's there's so no point in doing it, doing a soft. No, if, not at if, all. Yeah, I mean, if you go to do it, you gotta you gotta do it properly. So, and and he did it properly, and fair enough too. Yeah, I think I think Glenn asked the questions a lot of people would like to ask or would would sure. expect to to have me being asked. Sure. Yeah. When you did that, was it? It certainly, I don't think was all at once. But I mean, what, how much time did did it take per per hour after? Eh. I, I think we did it over about a two or three week period. So okay. when I finished with Ira, I knew it was kind of a uh, a watershed time. So I was going uh, to become a chief executive here um, in a in a very different kind of industry. So it marked the end of my direct involvement in assistive technology. And so I took a month off. And during that month is when Glenn sat down with me virtually over a series of sessions. And I gave him as much help as he wanted with the research. So he read quite a lot of material and I gave him various papers and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I think he can be very proud of the job he did. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. And, and did, he, did he warn you in advance of the questions he was going to ask? I mean, to be fair, you know, if, if he asked a question that I just, felt was totally inappropriate or whatever we would have edited it out but but i but i i was very careful not to do that because um it had to be if you're going to do an autobiographical piece like that you have to be prepared to just go roll with the punches so um we had a brief i guess concept of the themes um dividing up the episodes and what they would cover and there were times when i had a second or even a third go at the answer, to be fair, because I was conscious that if I got run over by a bus or, or a virus tomorrow, <laughs> that this would be the kind of my, my legacy. This would be the thing that people would go back and look at in terms of sure. um, my view on me. So I wanted to get it right. But it was a, it, it was a, it was a strange thing because by the end of it, I thought, gosh, I have got a bit done. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was a terrific effort and well worth the the listen. It really was. It was lots of fun. Thank you. Talk about the website because we've talked about your book. We've talked about in the arena. 
and I think both can be found there plus a lot more. Yeah, Mosin Consulting is is no longer a kind of a, a, an evolving thing, but I keep it there because some of the audiobooks and ebooks that I produced then are still relevant. Over time, they most likely won't be. And I try and be fair about making a call that says, you know, when we get to a certain point, uh, it, it's appropriate to pull some of the technology material that I've done. So the content is likely to decline over time. But my old blog posts are there. Um, links to my current podcast are there. So that's good too. The, the other thing that I should also say regarding main menu before I forget to mention this is that when I was running sort of between, we, we've done two incarnations of Mushroom FM, the internet radio station that I own. And between them, I ran a thing called the Mosin channel to keep Mo, the Mosin explosion going. And I delved into my archives during that time and did play quite a lot of the old main menu shows that I produced. And I do get questions from time to time about those and people feeling quite strongly that there's a lot of internet history here. We have people who are no longer with us who should be remembered. We also have a lot of technology history there and the way that our technology has evolved. And so I don't have all of them readily to hand. I think some of them are backed up on a CD. I, I may have to really work hard to find, but I have most and I'm very happy to make those, of course, available to ACB Radio should they be able to find a place for them so that everybody can go back and enjoy them. I think the plans are to put them up eventually on the website so that anybody who wants to can relive those thrilling days from <laughs> from years ago. He's going into the Yeah, without reverb. Yeah, check out the Dick Chandler interview. Yeah, exactly. Jonathan, this being the 20th anniversary of uh, ACB Radio's main menu. Anything specific that you you might want to say that we should include as a part of this segment? I just want to say congratulations to everyone who's worked on main menu. You feel a sense of pride, or I feel a sense of pride, that the baton has been passed um, between various people over the years. And... That's really good. Uh, you know that something special has been created when something outlasts the creator. And so that's a great tribute. So my thanks to everyone who has looked after it uh, over the last 20 years. Great. Thank you, Jonathan, for being with us on Main Menu. And let's hope there'll be another 20 years. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, as you all know, this month, it's going to be a month-long presentation to Main Menu and Jonathan Mosin. And um, so we'll hear the first Main Menu show, all two hours of it, which will be spread over the next two weeks. And then, well, we, we brought in Jeff Bishop to talk about what's going to be happening during the fourth week, since it, it's been... Jeff, who's prim primarily gotten this together. Jeff's first of all, most of the time. Yeah, welcome, Jeff. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Now, Jeff, we were talking about when people started on Main Menu, and we know Jonathan was there for three years, and Dave Williams followed him. But when when did you come in? 
I believe it was 2007, but you know, it all kind of runs together. It could have been part of 2006. and We should look because I think we have your first show. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's scary. Yeah. That's, just, that's just absolutely frightening. But you bring, Everybody should run and hide from that first yeah. show. That was probably a very traumatic experience. But you're bringing back something that you brought to Main Menu when you took over, and that's the live show. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, uh, a number of years ago, probably well over a decade ago, we produced a show called Main Menu Live, where... We took the format of the show and we wanted to allow people to, to interact, you know, with, with guests. So we would invite guests to come on the show and we would interview them first. And then we would invite people to call in on an old trusty phone patch. Boy, those were the days. I still have the 800 number though. Do you really? I do. Wow. I, I kept it all these years. It cost me $2 a month. And, uh, uh, I, I like it. It's uh, it even spells out my name, which is kind of cool. <laughs> That's cool. So yeah, yeah. And we won't be using that for Meme Menu Live now because we have better technology. And I don't even have a phone line at my house, you know, except for my cell phone. Sure. And but, but we've got so Zoom. We're not going to do it that way. We'll, uh-huh. we'll use Zoom or you know some other technology mm-hmm. if. Uh, if, if it rolls around, we try to keep up to date on those things. But yeah, so we're going to bring that back. And we're, we're going to have the first Main Menu Live show air on the fourth week of uh, May. That's the 22nd. Mm-hmm. And then we're actually probably going to move the show. We're, we're not sure what day of the week it's going to actually move to. But we're thinking maybe... Well, we're going to ask all of you, what, when would you like it to air? Would you like it to air on Friday nights? Or Friday nights are tough because people are out, well, not now, but generally are out doing things on a Friday night. So we're going to explore it and see where it best fits. It used to be on Tuesday night. Yeah, when Jonathan was on, it was Tuesday yeah, nights, that, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we used to do it on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. And then people have liked Sundays. Sundays have been a very popular time for call-in shows on ACB radio. So we may, we may do it that way. We're not sure, but we're, for right now, we're going to do it Friday night. And it's going to be, uh, we're going to probably look at the first one being a two-hour show. We're going to try to bring in a, a special guest for the first hour. And then we're going to celebrate main menu in the second hour and let people call in. And we're going to give people an opportunity to to actually call in and leave, you know, your memories of main menu. And we'll, we'll tell you how to do that on the first week of main menu. We'll give you the details on how to do that. And yeah, so it's great stuff. So it's not, it's a little different because Jonathan still does this. He'll say, Hey, would you like to leave your memories? And then he, you send an MP3. This will be live and you will call in and you, you could send an MP3 as well if you can't be there live, but if you You are going to be there, yeah, we can do that. We're going to provide a phone number too. Yeah. So that you you can, you know, call in and, and we'll probably use something like Google voice or, you know, uh, something like that. So, yeah, we're going but to people that. could also and email their their file if they could. wanted to. You could you can do that by emailing main menu at acbradio.org. That's fine. So if you want to just record something either on your iPhone or an MP3 and shoot it our way, then 
by all means, uh, you know, the bits team that run main menu now will have access to that and, and they'll be able to pick it up and we'll, we'll air it. Absolutely. In fact, we, we bought all kinds of new technology to run that show plus run the convention later this year. So we're going to be doing a bunch of setup and testing over the next month. All the equipment comes this week. So we're excited about that. Terrific. Yeah. We're excited to be a part of the 20th anniversary of Main Menu as well and what comes beyond that. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an enjoyable time and we hope you're all going to be with us to celebrate as well. So it should be fun. Absolutely. Buckle in everybody. It's going to be a fun ride. Thanks so much for being with us, Jeff. Thank you. Main Menu. During the 100th show of Main Menu, many of Jonathan's listeners called in and or sent in recordings congratulating Jonathan and Main Menu on the first 100 shows. Here are some of those recordings. Hello everyone, this is Tony Beckler. I really enjoyed producing the three-part Telnet series, which can be found in the on-demand archives, as well as the first part of the ongoing series on the Synchronet BBS program. Yes, I'm planning to produce more tutorials and overviews as time permits. I've been listening to Main Menu since the very first program on April 10th, 2000, and I must first thank Odyssey Magazine, who's on the web at odysseyaudyssey.org, for first pointing out ACB Radio to me. I've been listening to many excellent reviews here, and I look forward to another 100 programs, and congratulations and good job to everyone. Also, I'd like to publicly thank Jonathan Mosen for doing such an outstanding job. Um, I look forward to listening to Main Menu every week for the outstanding content and technology reviews and uh, tutorials. The only thing I really don't care much for are the news briefs. Anyway, congratulations and keep up the great work. Hi, my name is Bruce Taves. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. When I first bought my new computer about three months ago, I really didn't know what I was doing in Windows. I'd been using DOS for about 15 years, and I was quite comfortable with it. But I hadn't wanted to make the transition to Windows, quite frankly, because I didn't think I was capable of doing it. But I realized if I wanted to take advantage of all the new features that were coming out and the new capabilities that computers were affording me, I would have to make the upgrade, and I decided that now was as good a time as any. I had some vacation time. I hoped I could maybe learn to use the system. So I got the computer, and I was looking for a resource of information. Someone suggested Main Menu, and I tried it. I listened to the current show, and I went through the archives to find out all the different types of things that I thought would interest me or help me. And it was incredible. Between main menu and the JAWS training tapes, I was able to get up to speed in terms of Windows use and how to get around and how to manage and so on. Um, and I'm very, very grateful to Jonathan and to all the other reviewers for all the work they did in making this information available and providing it to the visually impaired computer community. Thanks, guys. You're terrific. Congratulations, Main Menu, for 100 fantastic episodes, and here's to the next 100. Hi there, everybody. My name is Chris Collins. I'm from Newport Beach, California, and I just want to add my voice to those congratulating Main Menu on its 100th show. The computer really has transformed the lives of so many of us who are blind, and because of that, it's very important to keep up with all the information about it. And that can sometimes be an incredible task. 
main menu has really made that task easier for me, and I'm sure it has for so many others, too. Congratulations, Jonathan, on a job well done. I really believe that main menu should be called the treasure trove, because for me, over the last couple of years or so, it has been absolutely priceless. Hi, this is Kelly Superja from Mortlock, Saskatchewan, Canada. It's been my pleasure and privilege to produce various articles and features for Main Menu, such as reviews of accessible games like Grizzly Gulch Western Extravaganza, discussions on how to create your own website, and programs like Get Right. What I like about Main Menu is being able to listen to news and reviews of the latest and greatest technology from a blindness perspective, as well as hints and tips for various programs and devices. Congratulations, Jonathan and everyone, for making Main Menu the successful program it is today. I've enjoyed listening to and contributing to the first 100 shows, and I can't wait to do so for another 100 shows. Thanks again, and keep up the excellent work. Hello, ACB Radio Main Menu listeners. This is Luis Peña from Colombia, South America. First of all, I want to congratulate Jonathan and all the Main Menu contributors who have made possible this fantastic program. Main Menu has represented for me an invaluable source of information on the latest adaptive technology developments, especially due to the fact that I live in a country where such information is not readily available. Moreover, Main Menu has inspired me to start a company called Altamira Technology, whose main purpose is to develop software solutions for visually impaired Spanish-speaking individuals. Thanks to the skills that I have acquired preparing the two reviews that I made for Main Menu, I was able to develop the first Spanish-speaking audio tutorial to teach blind computer individuals to use Microsoft Word 2000 with just for Windows. Main Menu also has represented for me a major source of weekly entertainment. Finally, I want to conclude this short message expressing my most sincere appreciation to ACB Radio and in particular to Jonathan for this major contribution to the blind community wide world. Hello, this is Jerry Chevalier from Edmonton, Canada. I'm very pleased to congratulate the entire Main Menu production team for 100 excellent shows. For me, Main Menu has become a de facto way to learn about assistive technology for blind people and indeed to listen to the tutorials about how to use that technology. I enjoy every week tuning in ACB radio in the background in my office when I should be working. Once again, congratulations and best of luck for the next 100 shows. Cheers. This is Dean Martineau of Top Dot Enterprises and Sound Computing, an occasional contributor and frequent listener to Main Menu. The thing that comes to my mind as we reach this milestone, and I hope there's lots of other milestones in the future, about Main Menu is besides the fact that it provides us with a tremendous amount of really useful technology information more than any commercial source probably really could other than this is it empowers people the whole network of the mailing list that Jonathan formerly ran and that are still in place and the main menu program empowers people to take the knowledge about technology that they gain and then spread it to other people it's a it's a much more grassroots model. It doesn't depend on experts, quote-unquote, 
teaching people how to do things. It's people learning how to do them and then teaching other people. In addition, as more and more people from more and more places gain access to the Internet, the archive of all these programs is a rich resource for those people to get up and running with equipment and to join this online community a lot faster than would have been possible without it. So I certainly don't say anything unique by wishing that this will continue and if anything perhaps even somehow expand into the future, but I think this organization and uh, Jonathan is on to something with the mechanism here and it's really an exciting thing to be part of. This is Mary Emerson. I have done a few reviews for Main Menu. I've enjoyed doing the reviews have learned a lot from doing them and also have learned a great deal from the responsiveness of people. I've gotten some great email back from people, uh, helpful hints, questions, comments, and it's been really interesting, the interaction. But even more than that, I have enjoyed the wealth of information out in the main menu archives. I have only been using Windows for about a year. I had to finally learn it for my job. But I must say that main menu has been incredibly helpful along the way in teaching me how to use so many good programs and utilities. Uh, it's just been a wonderful part of my life in the past year uh, and I look forward to contributing more when I can and I also especially look forward to hearing more contributions from people. Thanks for being there. You've all been really great. Hello, this is Matthew Bullis. I've been on Main Menu three times before. First time was in May 2001 when I did the review of Depopper, which takes the pops and scratches out of records. Second time was in November 2001 when I reviewed Handy Bits Voicemail, a way to send your voice by email. And the third time was most recently in May 2002 when I reviewed the multi-track recording system for the PC called N-Track. It's been my privilege and honor to review three times in main menu and hopefully review some more things whether it's a piece of software that's accessible or whether it's a piece of technology that's accessible. I realize that everyone else puts a lot of work into their reviews, and it's my job that when I find something that works, that I review it. We all owe a debt of thanks to Jonathan each week when he puts the main menu together and gives us reviews and news briefs. And I thank everyone else who's contributed, whether it's been either one time or ten times on main menu. And I look forward to technology reviews in the future. So thanks to everyone for a great program. Hello, everyone. This is Rob Hubbard of Tyler, Texas. I am a computer trainer. I work for Columbia Lighthouse for the Blind in Washington, D.C. I travel all around the country training other blind people how to use computers at the particular place they work. I would like to thank Jonathan Mosen for allowing us a few brief seconds here to say a few brief words on Main Menu. This is the 100th anniversary of Main Menu program, and I'm so happy to be not only a listener, but a contributor. I am affiliated with the Visually Impaired Data Processors International, VidPi, an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We are a computer users group, and I submit the VidPi Vendor and Technology Showcase for Main Menu every year. In fact, you'll be hearing that in the upcoming weeks. We did change the name of it, and I hope uh, the name will be more appealing to a lot of you. It used to be the Microcomputer Seminar, but now it is the VidPi Technology and Vendors Showcase. Sounds better, doesn't it? We hope you enjoy it. And Again, I'd like to thank uh, Jonathan Mosen for allowing me a brief time to say a few words 
Congratulations, Jonathan Mosen, for the great job you do, my friend. It's a pleasure to work with you, and congratulations to Main Menu on your 100th anniversary. Yep, g'day. This is Scott Rutkowski from Australia, from Sydney, Australia. Just want to mention a few things uh, about Main Menu, what I like about Main Menu and that sort of thing. I've done a few reviews on Main Menu of a few different products that um, are speech-friendly and that sort of thing. I think main menu is very important to the visually impaired um, and partially sighted as well due to the fact that it keeps us up to date with products and product news and I work in the help desk in I work in help desk in the IT industry and to hear all the latest developments and that sort of thing that possibly can make my job easier is very very worthwhile and that's why I listen to main menu also, I like Main Menu due to the fact that there's many different people who come on and do reviews of certain products, and I find this to be very valuable when doing research on, print, on new products to buy that sort of thing, and I hope Main Menu continues for many, many years. You know, it's a complex world we live in, and often I feel it's difficult to keep up, and many of the sources are written from a cited perspective, and... So that fails to address many of my more poignant concerns about the technology. And Main Menu has the blindest perspective I can trust and brings it all together in a nice little weekly update. One of the things that I've enjoyed most about contributing to Main Menu is that uh, since I often feel that I don't understand the world as well as I'd like to, when I finally do have clarity on a particular thing, it's fun to try to find the language to translate that clarity to somebody else and to have the feeling that I'm helping another individual or maybe even a group of people understand this world a little better than they might otherwise. Thank you, Jim Snowbarger, and thanks to everyone for their contributions to Main Menu 100. You'll have that chance again in about four weeks. We'll tell you more about it then, so stay tuned. Next week, Main Menu, the first show, Hour 1. And then Hour 2 following that, and then, of course, the Main Menu Live. So lots to get to here in our anniversary salute to Main Menu. Main Menu is a program brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday night on ACB Radio Mainstream beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, repeating at various times throughout the week. To listen and view the schedule, go to acbradio.org slash mainstream. You can also tune in with your favorite radio app slash device or use ACB Link for Android or iOS. Call area code 605-475-8130. Do you have an idea, suggestion, or contribution you'd like us to consider? Please email mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Main Menu. Please note that airing of any content is subject to approval by the Main Menu team. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on another edition of Main Menu.